0: May we all be greeted this morning with greetings of grace and mercy and peace. Heavenly Father, Gospel of Matthew, chapter starting at the beginning of it. Then came together unto him the Pharisees and certain of the scribes, which came from Jerusalem. And when they saw some of his disciples eat bread with defiled, that is to say, with unwashed hands, they found fault. I can't read Mark. I meant or, Couldn't follow that. Reading in Mark 7. Then came together unto him the Pharisees and certain of the scribes, which came from Jerusalem. And when they saw some of his disciples eat bread with defiled, that is to say, with unwashed hands, they found fault. For the Pharisees and all the Jews, except they wash their hands oft, eat not, holding the tradition of the elders. And when they came from the market, except they wash, they eat not, and many other things there be which they have received to hold as the washing of cups and of pots, brazen vessels and of tables. Then the Pharisees and scribes asked him, Why walk not thy disciples according to the tradition of the elders, but eat bread with unwashened hands? He answered and said unto them, Well hath Isaiah prophesied of you hypocrites, as it is written, These people honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Howbeit in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. For laying aside the commandments of God, they hold, ye hold the tradition of men, as the washing of pots and cups, and many other such like things ye do. And he said unto them, Full well ye reject the commandment of God, that ye may keep your own tradition. For Moses said, Honour thy father and thy mother, and whoso curseth father or mother, let him die the death. But ye say, If a man shall say to his father or mother, It is Corban, that is to say, a gift, by whatsoever thou mightest be, Profited by me he shall be free, and ye suffer him no more to do aught for his father or his mother, making the word of God of none effect through your tradition which ye have delivered, and many such like things do ye. And when he had called all the people unto him, he said unto them, Hearken unto me, every one of you, and understand, there is nothing from without a man that entering into him can defile him. But the things which come out of him, those are they which defile the man. If any man have ears to hear, let him hear. And when he had entered into the house from the people, his disciples asked him concerning the parable, and he saith unto them, Are ye so without understanding also? Do ye not perceive that whatsoever thing from without entereth into the man, it cannot defile him, because it entereth not into his heart, but into his belly, and goeth out into the draught, purging all meats? And he said, That which cometh out of a man, that defileth the man. For from within, out of the heart of man, proceedeth evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile the man. Amen. A long text, but it seems to tie all together. It begins speaking of both the Pharisees and the Jews and I guess we would say it as the religious traditions and practices that had developed in Israel this time when Jesus came we can turn to the Old Testament we can read the laws that Moses gave them beginning with the 10 commandments and then it goes to all the different rules, different rituals and that that they practiced with the priests and in the temple and then into day-to-day living. And then it would appear that the people through time, the Pharisees, they had added to these things traditions of their own that had come out of man's reasoning. And I guess, I don't know whether I should say it brings comfort to me or it just tells us that man has not changed. I see it today in our world, and maybe I'll back up to the beginning of the Bible. God made the world, he made mankind, he made Adam and Eve to live in this world, to take care of the Garden of Eden, and he gave them one rule, to we put it that way, one commandment that... They were not to eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And we all know how well Adam and Eve were able to keep that one rule. I don't know the time frame, but it would not appear that it was that long. And they had disobeyed God, and they had eaten of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And I believe that ever since, It seems to be the way with people that they think, well, people are breaking this rule, but if we add a couple more rules, well, that'll make it better that there's going to be less rules that get broken and it'll improve things. And maybe it's just in the time that we live of now when we have this rules that are going on supposedly to help us deal with keeping from getting sick from this virus. And and we see how man wants to just add rules until we cannot keep them. And it is perhaps the way it is in this world, and it is something that we perhaps have to live with. But let us never, as it appears has happened here with these people in Israel, start taking and saying these rules that are of man, or traditions that we have developed, and some of them may be very good, even... If we read here where it says about the washing of pots and vessels and hands before you eat and all those things, we know that there is nothing wrong with them. And as far as in our day-to-day life, keeping us from having problems or perhaps getting sick from something, there is nothing wrong with them. But if we start mixing them so that they become something that is part of adding to our salvation... Or that to be saved, you need to do these things. Or to walk as a Christian, these are the things that you need to follow as a Christian. Then it starts causing problems. Because I don't think that we are any different from them. Jesus gets after them and says that they have rejected the commandments of God to keep their own comman- te- ah, sorry, their own traditions. I believe that that is how people work. And I guess it's our fallen human nature. It is the way the devil would work in this world that he would want to get people more focused and thinking that they are able to make themselves holier by doing these things. And God, I mean, we hear it quite often in our world around us from supposedly Christian teachings that, well, this is what God's word says, but it. This is, God is a loving God, and he surely cannot mean things exactly how it seems to be worded here. So if we do these other things, that's going to be what is necessary. If we turn to the Old Testament, it is recorded quite clearly for us, and in a number of other places, but in Samuel, King Saul was told to go and destroy the Amalekites, maybe I even mentioned this last week, but when Samuel comes after the battle, here they have kept the king alive, and they've kept the best of the oxen and sheep to sacrifice for God, thinking that, well, we didn't quite do what God instructed us to do, but we're going to do these other things to make up for that, and it'll probably be just as good or better. Samuel tells, and this is the words that Samuel tells King Saul says hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord behold to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams and then we find out how serious of how seriously that God looks on these things it says for rebellion and if we look at rebellion is that is just it is rebelling rebellion against being obedient to God It is doing our own thing. It says, for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is iniquity and idolatry. And then we find, and I don't believe this is speaking directly to King Saul, but I believe it is speaking to all of us. It says, because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. And if we were to continue on here a little further, we see that Saul appears to be penitent for what he has done. And he seems to be sorry for what he has done. And he asks Samuel if he will come and sacrifice with him. But then we also see the root of the problem. He says, Come and worship God with me that I may look good in the eyes of the people. And I think that is the root of a lot or maybe all of these problems because we are more concerned about what people may think and how people may view us instead of how God views us. And it is the root of why we would not take God's word as being God's word and just taking it as to what it says. It is because we are more worried about how it is that we may look to the world instead of how it is That we look to God. Because when we look at how we, or when we worry about how we look to God, the way that we can deal with that and make sure that we look right in the eyes of God is by doing what God says to do. Because when we are doing what God instructs, then we are looking good in the eyes of God. Because it isn't doing something that comes from our own ideas, it is doing comes from the instruction of God. And I believe that after the death of Jesus and his resurrection on the cross and the fact that he shed his blood to cover all those sins, and if I take that and say he shed his blood because we fail at all those rules that are there to be covered so badly that Jesus had to do it and pay for that. And so, I hope I'm right in saying this, but I feel that in many ways we have come full circle. When those, when Adam and Eve were in the garden, before they broke the commandment of God and fell into sin, they just did what was there to do. And I believe that they did what was right because it was just how they worked, their lives were. They didn't worry about those things. But as soon as they fell into sin and that knowledge of good and evil came there, they immediately could see that there was all kinds of things that were a problem because their human nature were drawn to those things. It is how we are today. We still have the results of that sin. There is that knowledge of good and evil that is in people. People can deny it all they want and they can try to justify things or to change rules so that right becomes wrong and wrong becomes right and and all this stuff. But I believe as Christians trying to make sure that we don't follow these rules or sorry, that we do not break these rules or that we would do what is right and proper. That is not where we should be. Where we need to be is following that one rule that God has given us now That we would believe on Jesus. And yes, if we look into that, it would take us, in reality, probably many Sundays to cover what that really means. But it is very simple. Believe on what Jesus has done. Yes, we are sinners. Yes, we fall into sin. Daily. It tells us, if we start thinking that we're getting, I guess, somewhat good, and maybe this is just where my head goes sometimes, but we can turn or I can turn to the 13th chapter of 1 Corinthians and it's talked about the charity chapter and it speaks about here it says charity suffereth long and is kind and it encourages us I'll jump to the end where it says now abideth faith and hope and charity we can read in the bible that we're saved by faith which is, we say, the most important thing, that we would be saved, that our souls would be saved, which means that we are right with God and we are his child. And know that when we pass from this life into eternity, that we are children of God and we are bound for heaven. It also makes that same claim for hope, that we, by hope we are saved. And again, we could look at those things, and, and there is a lot there. But, it says, these three, but... The greatest of these is charity, and I believe that there's even more into that, and we could look into it in great detail, but it tells us how important it is. As a Christian, we need to have charity in our hearts, and I believe that that means we have to have Christ. But it says, charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself. Is not puffed up. Does not behave itself unseemingly seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked. And we can look at some of those things and think, well, we're maybe not doing that bad of a job on some of these things. But then it says, and thinketh no evil. And I don't believe that there is any person. And when I read that, and it tells us that Jesus came and walked sinlessly. And we realize how different we are from Christ in our human nature. And we realize what a marvelous thing it was that he did for us. That he came and walked with this human flesh that we have and was able to do it sinlessly for our benefit. And not only did he do that, but then because we had no ability to do it and we are sinful and sin has to be paid for. He took our sin and paid for it on the cross. And died for us. That we could be free. And all these rules that man can come up with. Yes, there are. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that, oh, we don't have to worry about what it says in the Bible about what a Christian walk should entail. But I don't think that's where our focus needs to be. If our focus is on Christ and believing In what Jesus has done, and that's where we put our faith, the Spirit will move us in those other problems that might be in our life. And then it's merely a matter of listening to it. And not that that's an easy thing. It is horribly difficult at times for this human flesh to be humbled and not be so proud to think, well, no, I don't need to deal with that, or I don't want to look like I'm sinner in that area or something and own up to those things. If the Spirit is moving us, let us listen to it. It says, I read it, obedience is better than sacrifice. If the Spirit of God is moving in our hearts or pricking our consciences about something, let us listen to it. Let us be obedient to it. It is part of what it means to believe in Christ. He says that, tells us in John that, He went back to heaven. These are my way of putting it, but he went back to heaven that the Holy Spirit could come and dwell with us, within us. Yes, we look at the lives of the disciples and and even other ones that lived at the time of Christ, and we think what a wonderful thing it would be to have Jesus sitting here, or maybe standing here, I should say, and we could just sit and listen to him. But we have his word and we have the spirit that he sent that speaks of him, tells of him, elaborates on what God would have laid out in this word that is dwells right within us. And it is merely a matter of listening. Jesus here tells them how it is that they took the law of Moses and then said, well, but if you do this, then that doesn't matter. And I can read that, and I'm sure most of us can read that and think, well, how ridiculous is that? If God says to do this, how can man? I think we find those same tendencies in ourselves. We look at what God's word says, and we think, well, if we do twice as much over here, maybe we slack here. It it is important because Jesus, after he says these things, then he says, hearken unto me every one of you. And then at the end of the statement, he says, if any man have ears to hear, let him hear. And we can take that little statement and we can look through Jesus's teachings. And he says that oftentimes when he is speaking about something that is important. And in between those two things of putting importance upon his statement, he says, there is nothing from without a man that entering into him can defile him. But the things which come out of him These are they that defile a man. We can take this back to where he's talking about them eating things and washing their hands. And these people had taken those things and put salvation value on them. And I think that it is something that we need to be aware of. And I'm not in any way trying to point at anything And say, I think this is something that we have a problem with. But I'm just merely saying that if something is a tradition of man, it is not anywhere near on the same level as what God says. And we can do those things. And we can keep and walk in such a way that the things of the world don't come and enter into us or try to do that in such a way. And it isn't that there's things that are in the world that are not dangerous. There is. And there is teachings in the world that can be dangerous. And I don't think it is good to go out and partake of them. But I believe it goes even along the same lines. And I don't think it's something that we need to toy with, but I don't think we need to worry about it. It tells about here at the end of Mark, it says, speaking of those who preach the gospel, and it says that these signs will follow them that believe, and one of them is that they shall drink any deadly thing, and it shall not hurt them. If We read in a number of places, the one that comes to my mind is when Jesus is talking to the woman on the well, and he says, encourages her to drink of that living water. We know that it is this gospel message, this word of God, that we are encouraged to drink in. And it says that they'll drink any deadly thing. Yes, we are put in places where we are exposed and we take in teachings that are deadly wrong. Poison, if you say that. But it says that as Christians, it is not something that we need to worry about it harming us. Yes, I think if we start purposely going and dabbling in those things, it's not good. Looking into other teachings. And on that thought, I even wonder for myself, and so I'll just express this thought. I read, and I know some other people who read some of these teachings in, if we say the Quran or something like that. I think we need to be careful. I think as Christians... The word would tell us that it doesn't necessarily, that it's going to kill us. But we are encouraged to take in this living water. We don't need to know the depth and understanding of all these false teachings. If we know the truth, those things will show up very quickly if there's something wrong. And I think we need to listen to that. It's the things that come out, Jesus says, that defiles the man. It is what's in the heart. In, in Matthew, I believe it's the 12th chapter of Matthew, Jesus tells those ones that of the fullness of the heart, the it says, um, For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. And a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. And I believe it ties into there in James where it says that If we can control our tongue and don't ever say anything wrong, we're a perfect person. I don't think we have any hope of being perfect and not saying anything that's wrong. But if it is evil things that is constantly coming out of our talk, our conversation, and not just what we say, but our walk, it shows what is in the heart. And that's where the problem is. And we see that this is a focus of where Jesus focuses this message. It is at the heart, the, the heart of the matter. And in a Christian life, the heart of the matter is what is going on in our most inner being, where we would hope that the Spirit of God dwells. And if the Spirit of God dwells there and is filling our heart, then those instructions of God will show forth in our life and it will motivate us to take care of those things that might be a problem. And it will motivate us to act in such a way that would glorify God. And do we fail? Yes. God has given instruction for that. But Jesus, I guess, if I take all this text that I read and put it very simply, he's saying that Instead of trying to make the outside look good and hoping that the inside is taken care of by that, let's take care of the inside and the heart and the outside will take care of itself. Or will be taken care of through the guidance of God and his spirit and not by us trying to make things look good. Traditions can be good, but they are not going to save us. Walking in such a way that we look good to men or we sacrifice a whole bunch of things in our life, and thinking that that's going to merit us favor with God, is not going to accomplish anything. But if we have come to the place where that wicked heart, and if we don't think our heart is wicked, we can turn to, I can't turn to it, but in Jeremiah, I think it is, where he says that the, Heart of man is desperately wicked, who can know it? That is what our heart is without Christ in there. And it doesn't matter how good we try to appear on the outside, if we have not taken care of that heart matter. Come to that place of repentance as a humble and contrite humble and contrite sinner. And if I say just acknowledge to God that yes. This is what I am. Is there grace for me? As Christians, we know there is. And we can encourage others that there is, because we know that there was for me. And trust that Holy Spirit to guide us, that those things that would be a problem in our life, that will encourage us to deal with rightly. Yes, there will be change in a life of someone who comes from being an unbeliever into someone with living faith, there is going to be changes there in their life, in their walk, in the way they act. But that isn't the most important. The most important is the change that had already happened in the heart. The change that turned a dead heart into a living heart where the Spirit of God dwells and has made it alive. I believe that that is the essence of what Christ is saying here. We as people cannot do all those rules that are necessary to follow to be perfect. We as people can come up with all sorts of things, but it has no value towards salvation. There is one thing that we must do, and that is to believe in the merits of Christ. We read all these where Jesus says, That which cometh out of a man defileth the man, and then he goes on, to say that this is what comes out of the heart of man, and he talks about adulteries, fornications, covetousness, on and on here with a big long list, pride, foolishness. And it says all these evil things come from within, and that is what defiles us. And so we could be discouraged, I think, and think, well, yes, we see those things in our heart. And what can we do about it? We can't, we can't, drive them out of our heart. It is beyond our ability. But if we turn the epistle of John, to the first John, and I believe it's the third, third chapter here, <clears throat> it says, My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. He's saying that as children of God, let's not just tell people we love you. It says, let us do it, let us our walk, show that we love people, and not do it just to look good, but to do it because our hearts are motivated to that in truth, that we're doing something to care for someone truly because we care about them. And then it says, um, And hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before God. It says, For if our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our hearts and knoweth all things. I believe that that ties back to that that Jesus says there. That all these things, and we could be discouraged because we see that all those tendencies are in our heart as humans. It is in our human nature. God is greater than our heart. God can overcome the evil that is found in us. The next verse says, Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, how is it that our heart can be that it can, does not condemn us? There is but one way. And that is if we have come to that place of repentance. And we have come to that mercy seat where God is found. And we have come as sinners and said, Is there grace for me? I am nothing but sin. God has promised us that the merits of what Jesus did is enough, and we can believe in them and trust in them. And we can believe that our sin is forgiven and washed away in the blood of the Lamb, in Jesus' blood. And we as Christians can encourage people to believe that because we've experienced it and because we are children of God and because there is power in the name of Christ. It isn't in our power, it's in what Jesus has done. And if we have experienced that, and if that is what we put our faith in, what Christ has done, and we believe that our sins are forgiven because of what Christ has done, then our heart can no longer condemn us and we see that what God did was greater than the evil that's in us. And the next verse says, Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then have we confidence towards God. There is a big difference in putting our confidence in our ability to do something, in our ability to follow all the rules, in our ability to make up for the bad we did by doing more good. If that's how our walk is, our heart will condemn us constantly because there is sin there. And it is not dealt with according to God's word, let us be obedient to that still small voice. It says, confess your faults one to another. And when we have been obedient to God, then it says, we have confidence in God. And that is a wonderful place to be. We can turn to the Psalms, and there's many of them that end in such a way. It says here in the one that I turned to, it says, be of good courage and he shall strengthen your heart, all ye that hope in the Lord. It says, wait on the Lord and be of good courage for he shall strengthen thy heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. We see that it was no different for them than us. Our strength, our hope, our confidence is in God. Because as Christians, we know what he did for us through Christ. And we have experienced the freedom that there is in Christ. And when we have experienced that and know what it is to what ability we as humans have, we come to see how much our God cares for us and loves us. He has done it all. We are encouraged to believe in him. And put our faith in him. Let's not go out and try to follow all the things that the Bible could say and all the things that we could come up to and try to think that that will make us a good Christian. What will make us a Christian is to believe in Christ and trust in him for everything. Jesus' name, amen. So we close with the benediction. May the Lord bless thee and keep thee. May the Lord make his face to shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Should we close with 435?